It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. Coming up on today's show, will Bogey Bogdanovich really fix all the issues? And we're going to have more reaction to the Falcons-Commanders game and ask you guys the question, was there faith in the play calling or blind faith in the player that led to the outcome? And last but not least, and for the culture, why are big-time college basketball programs playing in a Las Vegas hotel? We'll talk about all that next right here on ATL Day Ones. Don't go anywhere. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. I'm going to start off by saying thank you for making ATL Day 1s your first listen of the day. Remember, we're free and available wherever you download your podcast, wherever you download your podcast. Make sure you leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate that from you in advance. Today's episode of ATL Day 1s is brought to you by Bet Online T. The Hawks, 76ers, they lose on the road, 104 to 101. And I, I think that as this game went along and as it got down into the fourth quarter, I don't know about you, but me, Jarvis, I was sitting here yelling, literally yelling at the TV television screen because our guy, John Collins, had some very interesting decisions that he made, starting with making a free throw when you're down by three points. Also, deciding to put the ball on the floor and and driving to the paint with the shot clock running down, decided to make a pass to Clint Capella, which more than likely, if you have any type of basketball IQ, that wasn't going to happen. And I think that and in the end, you wrapped it all up by Trey Young trying to throw an alley-oop to try to – I don't know. I don't know what the thought process was behind that. It just seemed like it was just a lot of dumb decisions made last night, T. Yeah, I agree. And one of the things that it really made me think of was this is just a friendly reminder and a PSA that not everything falls at the foot or the feet of the coach okay right. yeah there may be some things that nate mcmillan has to tweak in terms of still kind of continuing to evolve his in-game adjustments right as you right. go from one half to another because we've seen it time and time again whether it's the third quarter and the hawks get their heads bashed in or it's the fourth quarter and some team is slowly chipping away at them because they figured out what worked for the hawks in the first two or three quarters but really, I'm laying this at the feet of the players, and particularly, I am laying it at the feet of John Collins, because I'm wondering at this point, Jarvis, you know how you look at a team and you say to yourself, okay, I know who the number one go-to guy is. And in the okay. case of the Hawks, you may actually start to know who the number two guy is in a crunch moment, like a DeJounte Murray. Because right. real talk, mm -hmm. when John Collins should have sent Clint Capella help as Joel Embiid was getting set for a mid-range jumper, guess who went to give help? DeJounte Murray. Right. When he, he was coming off the, the pick and there he was trying to salvage what he saw was about to happen right. because John Collins was somewhere on the baseline guarding somebody who had no chance, Jarvis, of getting the ball and getting the ball in the basket. Right. That guy was going to step out of bounds before he was ever going to get a ball in the basket. Leave him be. 
Get yeah. to Joel Embiid, bring Clint Capella some backside help, and let's see if we can at least, if nothing else, Jarvis, make this guy go to the line and earn these two points versus, hey, I'm just going to kind of reach up on this little, I don't even think that was a true mid-range. That might have been just an extended teardrop <sighs> or floater. I mean, literally. So it's to me, it goes back to, you know that you have the first guy. Trey's probably your go-to. DeJounte's beginning to be your secondary go-to if needed. But who else do you count on in those clutch moments? Who else? And I just feel like John Collins kept answering the question with, it ain't me. It ain't me. <laughs> ain't gonna be my fault yeah. and i think and i think that you know when he put the ball on the floor going back to the, the shot clock on um, running down that kind of like like speaks to exactly what you're saying right it's not gonna be my fault and right. that's what it feels like right because mm-hmm. my whole thing is like i don't mind you going down take putting the ball on the floor being aggressive like we've asked him to be yeah. and, and and going down there and missing the shot take the yeah. shot miss it like i don't care if you miss it i just want you to take the shot and be aggressive because at the end of the day that's what it's all about and then as far as just the whole basketball iq thing right Mm -hmm. we know DeJounte Mm -hmm. is very superior when when it comes to especially defensively like that's Mm -hmm. where he that's where his his money is going to be made right that's Mm -hmm. why he's the why the hawks gave up three first round picks for him and i I think that and i have no issues with that whatsoever but i think that's the thing that I've always kind of questioned when it comes to John because you know sometimes mm-hmm. he, he may get a, a, a healthy dose of uh TBS, you know, tight Buddha syndrome. When things get <laughs> tight, he kind of kind of starts to get a little flustered and you don't know and know what decision to make. Ah, I'm gonna pass the ball. Yeah. Ah, I'm yeah. gonna make this first free throw. When right. I know I was supposed to, you know, when I, I know I was supposed to make the first one. You right. know, and um, missed the missed, missed, I'm sorry, missed, missed the first, missed, missed the first one, and then right. make the second one. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. well, you know, you need you're down three, you need a three pointer. So yeah. it's just a lot that just just went into that game uh, last night that I thought mm-hmm. it was just some really bad decisions. Now, yes. hopefully, we got a little bit of a good news T that mm-hmm. Landry Fields told 929 the game. I boys, John and Hugh, this mm-hmm. morning that that Bogey could be back, and you know, hopefully. Within the next couple of games or so, I, I think that I, for one, know that yeah, no doubt about it. That would be great to get somebody who can shoot the who can shoot the three consistently from a confidence standpoint. Because mm-hmm. we know AJ Griffin can do it, but he can be a little shaky sometimes. Obviously, he's a rookie. I get it. And Aaron Holiday is having his best shooting year of his entire career, shooting yeah, from three almost at fifty percent. See, you know what I'm saying? So, but it's just sometimes he's hesitant about doing it. So right. I think we don't have to worry about that with Bo. Bo gonna shoot that rock, so I think that getting him back would, would be good. But I don't know if it's gonna be something that could help that can help the Hawks and what they really, really need at this point in the season. Yeah, I would agree with you because last night was, I believe, a little bit of an anomaly, but not a lot because they end up with forty four point four percent shooting from three point range, which is excellent, right? right. And then the game before that, they were actually hovering at around. 38% before, you know, things kind of went south in that third quarter against the Heat. So I, I feel like maybe they're coming along and this is the perfect time for Bogdan Bogdanovich to get back because maybe that pressure that was there even a week ago, maybe it won't be quite so much. But like you said, for him, pressure's not busting pipes. That's just, that's not how he rocks. He's going to shoot and shoot until he shoots his way into making threes. But I feel like with that area, the Hawks are kind of pseudo okay. They still need him. 
But I feel like the struggle bus for me was looking at the box score and seeing only one player in double digits and rebounds, because that's the other piece. Like the second chance points that you were giving up was they they were just ridiculous. There were moments where it was clear, like, can someone give Houston Rockets like T? (laughs) Very Houston Rockets like. Yeah, (laughs) there were certainly moments where Clint Capella needed help. And I'm not saying Clint wasn't doing his job, but it just may have been there were two bigs coming at him. And he certainly could have used some backup on that second big as opposed to a two on one situation. Or he's dealing with a super big like a Joel Embiid. And, you know, he's not the biggest guy. So to be able to put two bodies on Embiid would have been better. And you just didn't have that. And although they they won the battle on the boards, I believe they had five total more rebounds than the Sixers. That's not the point. The point is the Sixers got the rebounds when it counted and particularly on the offensive boards. So that's one issue. And then we keep flip-flopping back to this whole turnover piece. And last night, you couldn't blame it on Trey. Trey only hit three. Now, DeJounte Murray at seven. That was a little uncharacteristic, so we've got to clean that piece up as well. But when you start talking about those things, Jarvis, to me, those are mental lapses because at the moment that the ball gets stolen by the Sixers, it's because you had a mental lapse in that moment that allowed them to say, hey, I see where he is. I see what he's about to set. I'm going to get in there before he sets that. So while I'm excited about Bogdanovich coming back and giving the Hawks some three-point just efficiency and consistency that they need. Last night took me right back to what you and I talked about yesterday, which was what are the real one or two, what are the top two issues that the Hawks are really facing and did Sunday's game and now Monday's game show you what the challenges are at the four and the five as opposed to what we've been, we've been focusing on a particular skill set, right? We've been focusing on a particular category or statistic, but Mm -hmm. it's really more about position because we talk about it, positionless basketball may be a good look for the Hawks at the one, the two, and the three, but four and five, woo-woo, I don't know. You need somebody who is like a a true power forward who kind of trends up to a five as opposed to this concept of a stretch four that looks more like a three. That's not working. Absolutely not. And and that's and that's the thing that like you like if Onyeka Kongu like seemed like he was just out of it T last night. Yeah. It is just, and it got to a point where he was brought in and then he had a a, a bonehead play. I'm gonna go ahead and call it what it is, and then mm-hmm. Nick McMillan immediately subbed him right back out. I was just like, Man, what is going on with these cats? It just seemed like the mental lapses, and it's I think mental. that yep. that's the thing. That's it is the mental. I think we've we kind of talked ourselves into it, right? I think it's the mental things, the mental yeah. fortitude that the Hawks have issues with. And yeah. to be honest with you, they ain't got nothing to do with Nate McMillan. So, hey, no. this is on the players. These cats got to get that right. They get that part right. I think everything else is falling into place with mm-hmm. Bogey coming back. So, yeah, obviously, we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on that one. One thing that we want you to keep an eye on is, is how much money we like. We, we, we understand you, you like your money, right? We know you, we know how you get down and what you want to get down with, right? You want to get some money. How about this? Go to betonline.net because it is the fastest and easiest way to check in all your betting needs, find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. How about this, T? The Falcons are favored by one and a half points. The over-under is 44 right now on betonline.net. And you know what? If I'm a betting man, I might stay away from that one because guess what? I watched that Monday night football game last night, 
and uh, George Pickens is coming to play some football. But you know, I think the Falcons got somebody for him. AJ might be might be willing to do a little following around on Sunday at Mercedes Benz Stadium because we know my girl T gonna be down there covering that thing, giving us updates live and in person. So I think what you need to do if you're having issues like I am, if you're struggling, go to betonline.net because it continues to be the top online source for all your sports wagering information for live in-game betting and even golf. Now, if you want to go ahead and get some money, figure out what it is. They even have podcasts as well. Y'all got y'all come to us each and every day for all your ATL sports needs. Go for all your gambling needs, for all your sports betting information needs. Go to betonline.net. They got podcasts waiting just for you. So head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today because Bet Online is where the game starts. So, family, as we tell you guys all the time, we appreciate you for checking out ATL Day Ones each and every day. You are so a part of our ATL Day Ones family. But we never want you to stop just here. There are amazing, amazing pieces of content all across this lockdown network, including locked on sports today so make sure after you check us out check those guys out as well because of course they are giving you the biggest stories of the day i know here in atlanta you might be triggered every time you hear about the hawks blowing a halftime lead and losing a game those guys might actually talk about it and react to it from a national perspective especially on how it teeter-totted them as it relates to that eastern conference and how close that race is and how tight it's going to be throughout the season or you may want to hear from their perspective, what Jarvis and I are going to talk about today, which is who do they have faith in as it relates to the Falcons and also anything that you want to hear about across the landscape of sports that gives a little bit more of a flavor like for the culture. They got it for you, too. And it is called Take of the Day. So, again, after you check us out, check out Locked on Sports today. You get us on the Odyssey app. That's where you can find them as well. You can find them on YouTube and, of course, wherever you download your podcast. So like we told you guys in our intro like i told you a few seconds ago we're going to talk now about the concept of faith first of all continue to have faith in the falcons because they are still right in the thick of things nobody seems to want to win the nfc south so therefore the falcons are still right in the thick of it so have faith but my first question to you is this we're going to start at the top and kind of work our way down jarvis at the top of the pyramid is one arthur smith so there are still trending topics about Arthur Smith's decision to throw the ball in the tight red zone that unfortunately was picked off and that led to the commanders win over the Falcons Sunday. My question to you is this, do you still have faith in Arthur Smith's play call? I do um, because I think that he came up with a, a, a great game plan because I remember, you know, Mark Zeno and John Chuckery going off on ATL hangouts about how this vaunted defensive line, which is, I understood because those they have a lot yeah. of talent up front. And, <laughs> and, and, and the, the Falcons, um, Arthur Smith schemed up a game plan to be able mm-hmm. to run the ball successfully, which I said he would be able to do because I yeah. do have faith in his play calling overall, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I think one of the things that I do have to question, mm-hmm. not not necessarily to play on second down because we talked right. about that yesterday, right? Because that was, that was something that we had a, an in-depth discussion about. But mm-hmm. I think the play before, that was the one that kind of – bothers me a little bit right yeah. you run the the, the rpo quarterback keep type situation you're mm-hmm. essentially you find yourself running away from the goal line and and i just don't like that because there were some things i went back and watched in the film this morning and i was just mm-hmm. like okay what did they run that they had success with 
that I thought was very interesting that they could have run in that particular situation. Not sitting up here saying I'm a play caller, but I think that if you see something that works early on in the game and you don't necessarily run it that much throughout the game, mm-hmm. when the situation comes down where you need some yards, go with what works. Sure. And I think that that first series, yeah. um, they were running like a what I call a little triangle, uh, a mm-hmm. triangle formation, right? So you had three, what looked like three running backs in the mm-hmm. backfield, but it was actually Parker Hesse and Michael, Michael Pruitt. And then you had um, Cordell Parents, all of them were kind of lined up like right 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 by, um beside each other right and mm-hmm. then you could have gone with that play and have some a dive situation type going on or a counter situation but that rpo it can so much can happen when in that particular situation you saw mm-hmm. they, they, they were a tackle for loss minus two because yeah. washington had kind of they were kind of prepared for that right so mm-hmm. i think that you throw something different and that they had worked early on in the game like play calls do that all the time t they do mm-hmm. it each they do it all the time like that yeah. first script that's in the in that's why they actually run those plays because they throw it mm-hmm. out there in the beginning that first drive yeah. to see okay maybe i'll come back to this one later on and i think he mm-hmm. should have put a pin in that that particular formation and yeah. brought it back at that time because you needed some yardage and you needed to at least throw them off somewhat mm-hmm. because they were ready for that play at the end of the day. That's yes. that's what all the boiled down to. They were ready for it, and right. it, it, that's why you end up seeing what you, what the, the end result on it. Yeah, and I agree. I still have faith in Arthur Smith's play calling overall, and I think about even from last year to this year, how we can point to multiple games where he made the right decision, where even a year ago he probably wouldn't have. So right. I don't want to – say I've lost faith on Arthur Smith because of one questionable call, because I'll be honest with you, I probably have to go back several games to a call that was a head scratcher for me. So yeah, I'm going to still keep my faith in his ability to understand the nuances of both sides of it, whether he sticks with, Hey, I would have still called the pass play over and over again. And like you said, not just on that second down, but on the, the play just before it, or whether he's saying to himself, yeah, maybe next time I'll do the run. But whatever the case, I suspect that he went back into the lab right after that game on Sunday to see, okay, how could I have maybe made some different decisions that could have put us in a position to actually win? Because, I mean, let's be honest, Jarvis, the play calling that got you in the tight red zone with a minute left in the game, you still have to give credit to Arthur Smith for that. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, well, I will say mm-hmm. I most certainly still have all the faith in the world in AJ Terrell. <laughs> I like how you put that. Sure do. Very specific on that one. Yes. AJ Terrell. Right. So I'm going to let him be the poster child for my faith in the secondary. However, there might be another group like that group that defends the run. I'm a little bit concerned. I'm not sure. I think my faith is kind of getting a little shaky on that group. I'm, I'm with you because when you think about the guy that we we deemed on this show as a, a run stopper, right? Take yeah. one Graham. He's down yeah. for the next four weeks, and I think that he's gonna we're gonna find out that he's gonna be down for the rest of the season. Yeah, and would not be shocked at, by that at all. Yeah. But yeah. I think that when you lose a guy like that, it's hard to pull somebody off the bench and say, "Hey, make this your best asset." Stop the run. Yeah, it's, it's hard to do that. And yeah. when you have a guy like Grady Jerry, who now is probably eating up, he is eating up some double teams and, and yes. teams are yes. focusing in more on him. And you saw that that happened you know, mm-hmm. against Washington because yep. it was just outside of 97 every now and then 
you didn't see any defensive lineman in the backfield. No. <laughs> show me, show me, because I didn't see it. I did not yeah. see any defensive lineman playing around the backfield. All I saw was guys being covered up, and all you saw was guys reaching, trying to see, hey, let me get try to get this tackle. As I'm as I'm being blocked and right. I'm being run into, I'm getting blocked into the linebacker, and then they getting up to the next level with Richard Grant, and you know sometimes he'd be a little yeah. shaking when he open in the open field as well. So all that stuff, like it starts up front, and I just don't trust this front right now because just from an edge setter standpoint, Audio Kandeji and how he did not have one of the uh, uh, one of his best games, and I'm being really nice really when nice I say it like that. that. I'm being very nice when yeah. I say it like that, but so. All those things kind of come into play now, right now, because you're going against a, a Pittsburgh Steelers team. Like you had Najee Harris, who went out with an injury last night on Monday Night Football, but you yeah. know he may or may not be back. But I think his backup is Snell yeah. is just as capable. I'm yeah. not saying They're he's better than Najee, right but the is the truth. Yes, truth. yes, yeah. they they have some guys who can tote that rock, and I think yeah. that the Pittsburgh offensive line is intact, and they are the guys that are going to be open up those holes for those guys. So I think that. I don't have I don't have faith in, in that, def, that that defensive line because that's where it actually starts and mm-hmm. and I think that DMPs once again yeah. is going to have to get really creative when I'm talking about run blitzes and getting the linebackers involved but you open mm-hmm. up yourself up for a lot of other stuff when you do that yeah so it's going to be a fine line piece is going to have to walk for this game plan on Sunday. Yeah, you think about the fact that you're looking at identical results on some level with the commanders having collectively gotten 172 yards on the ground. Steelers did that last night to the Colts. And one more piece to that is Kenny Pickett is a bit more mobile than Taylor Heineke. So he gives a little bit. Yeah. yeah, So he gives a little bit more of a compliment to their run game than maybe the Falcons saw on Sunday. So it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, our faith. We, we, we're back on the altar about that run. Wayne a little bit, yeah. Well, yeah have yeah. a little prowl. Exactly. We're setting them up. Now, <laughs> one more, and I almost feel like there's not enough time in the day, but I'm going to ask the question anyway, because we talked about the coach and his play calling. We talked about faith in the defense. And sometimes I feel like with the faith on the offense, I, I think you and I still, for the most part, have faith. So I'm not going to ask that question about the offense. More so, I'm going to say, Going back to a little bit of play calling, sometimes I feel like there is blind faith that Arthur Smith has in Marcus Mariota, where maybe the rest mm. of us are just blind to it, because mm. I still feel like there are some limitations there that to us are obvious with one, and yet, I don't know, sometimes I feel like, oh, Art doesn't quite see what we see in his faith in old number one. To be honest with you, like, just... I mean, just go real quick. I know we, you know, we a little pressed for time, but let's just go back from the beginning of the season, right? We were talking about fumble snaps and you know, fumbling the ball and handing it off and being just, on the ground and throwing being on the ground somebody, and throwing, about, throwing like like we literally talked about this about a guy. Let's just take the name out. Like I like to do that. Take the name out. Let's take yeah. Marcus Mariota's name out. Mm-hmm. Fumble snaps, bad decision making. Um, not, not knowing when to throw, not taking sacks. We don't have to throwing away the football when you have to. Mental issues, breakdowns in certain mm-hmm. time when certain aspects of the game when the game is on the line, like that doesn't sound like a seven year veteran. No, no regression. Like I stopped at my first read. Right, one stop, one 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 read and throw. That that sounds like a rookie quarterback to me. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I think that as I've been talking and kind of thinking about it in the back of my mind, it's just like 
I really, I wholeheartedly believe this, T. I've never said this on our show before. I know a lot of people say that, preface their comp statement, and then say something that somebody else said, but I think this is one, this one is real right here. I believe the only reason that Marcus Mariota is the starting quarterback for this team is because he's more mobile than Desmond Ritter. He understands, Arthur Smith understands what he's dealing with when it's from an offensive line standpoint. Mm -hmm. And he knows that he needs a mobile quarterback in order to be able to avoid the rush when yeah. need be and, you know, the, implement that RPO because that yeah. opens up a lot of from a play calling standpoint and it mm -hmm. opens up in the run game and in the passing game. So that yeah. opens up a lot. That, that's an extra weapon. That's mm -hmm. another player or personnel that you have to worry about yeah. from a defensive play calling standpoint. So I think that and from that standpoint right there, that one mm -hmm. little 0.5 seconds over 40 time that Marcus Mariota has over over uh, Desmond Ritter is the reason why he's still in there. And I think that yeah. Arthur Smith has that blind faith. That that could very well be the case. That There have been questions and pontifications about why Mariota and why not Ritter. And we believe that he has the intellectual capability. We believe the football IQ is there. We believe that yes, the indeed. arm strength is there. The accuracy Absolutely. is there. So what is it? Then you go to the intangibles, and that could very well be one intangible. He just... Mariota might just be a hair ahead of him in a space where it's needed because if somebody's running for their lives, at least you want to know it's the guy who can actually run for his life. But Indeed. speaking of something you might want to run to, especially if you had to sit through Sunday's game against the Commanders and you had to sit through Monday's game, Hawk Sixers, that's a bill bar for you. Yes. And uh, you might need to keep them handy because there's still two more games this week for the Hawks. Just saying but that bill bar is a good look because at least if you're going to do something to drown your sorrows, do it with something like the cookie dough puff because with that, you got 100% real chocolate, you have only 160 grams of fat, and yet you have 15 grams of protein that are easy to digest, which means that your energy level is going to go up and go up quickly and in a healthy way. So go to build.com, check out, not just definitely want you to check out the cookie dough puffs, but they have a myriad of offerings that we want you to check out as well. And when you go, make sure if this is your first order that you put in the code locked on 15 because that'll get you 15% off on that first order. And as always, drop a comment in our comment section once you order and you get your stash and let us know if you like it the way that we like it. Again, that's built.com. Check out that website, plug in the code locked on 15 and go ahead and get you some energy or get you some comfort food for those days when these teams in Atlanta try your patience. Built.com, check it out. Locked on Sports and Family. I want to thank you for guys for getting us to 5,000 subscribers. Oh my goodness, we really appreciate you. If you missed the show yesterday, I did something special. Go check it out. I think it was pretty funny. You might enjoy it. But, but T, this is For the Culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, the culture, and sometimes what the hell we want to talk about. That's just how we get down on this show. Today, it's no different. T. Now, there are a lot of things that happen in sports and people try to try out different things and, right. you know, and put, put things in certain venues, you know, uh, but I think this one is just is an epic fail uh, because the Indiana, <laughs> the, the Indiana women's basketball team, I emphasize women because. Yes. Please and thank you. Know, I, I, yes. I, the Indiana women's basketball team was playing in the Las Vegas in Invitational against mm -hmm. the Auburn Tigers. An SEC school, athletic department probably got more money than 
didn't you didn't didn't the higher power 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 that you believe in you know what i'm saying uh they played an invitational tea in a las vegas hotel and it looked like they just had like 10 chairs surrounding the court and it just let me let me just say this here here my here my thoughts on it if there was any men's basketball team and auburn tigers men's basketball team there's no way in hell they'd be playing that game in a hotel room i'm sorry yeah hotel ballroom yeah, you know those Hoosiers would not have been playing where they put those lady Hoosiers. And the thing that makes it so bad is this is a trigger point because we right. are just coming off the same situation that women found themselves in for this year's NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament, last right. year's tournament. I mean, this has been an ongoing issue. And so, again, I understand some people may say, well, you know, the revenue of the male Indiana Hoosiers team versus the lady Hoosiers, that's night and day. But guess what? When you're talking about Title Nine, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> you're talking about Title Title Nine. The pot is the pot is the pot, and you already know that the pot is going to be distributed as evenly as possible. But again, that's not an Indiana Lady Hoosiers thing because I'm sure the Lady Hoosiers would have put themselves in a different situation. You set up that basketball court and that foolishness in a ballroom. That was a decision on the part of the Vegas Invitational Committee, which is grossly inappropriate. And if you want to call yourself you know, the, they're touting themselves, Jarvis, as the new it town as far as sports go, right? Well, you know okay. what? That was not exactly a good look. And because you have uh, one of the upcoming tournaments, I want to say it's 2029. That's when the men's final four goes there. And typically right. speaking, the women's final four comes that next cycle. You better get it together by 2030. Because what is not going to be acceptable is if you have these types of conditions in 2030, but then you roll out the red carpet in 2029 for the men's tournament. Yeah, that it's is. just it's just whack. This, this is it's just whack to you. That's the only way I can describe it because when you think about those those things, like this is re- this is one of the reasons why, or if not the reason, that Title IX was put into play because. Like, like, okay, yeah, the men's basketball team might bring in some bread, and then basketball teams aren't bringing that much money anyway. Right. I mean, exactly. you know, like, except like the, the top big dogs. Yeah. But we all know football teams bringing are bringing the majority of the money when it comes to athletic departments. So, mm-hmm. guess what? There ain't no no female football team. So the money got to go somewhere. Got dog it. So yeah, the Las Vegas Invitational. Y'all messed this one up. Y'all dropped the ball big time. Y'all better to get together, like my girl T said. But one thing that you don't have to worry about is us getting it together because we we really appreciate you guys for rocking with ATL Day Ones as your first listen. And also, check out for your second listen. Make sure you check out Locked On Sports today. They got some good stuff over there, including the take of the day. You might catch me on that bad boy. You might catch T on that mug. You never know. Make sure you check out Locked On Sports today as your second listen. It's free and available wherever you download your podcast. So, guys, come back tomorrow. We're going to talk more Hawks. We'll preview and let you guys know whether or not we feel like Pablo Bancaro is the biggest challenge for the Hawks as they get set to take on the Magic tomorrow. And, of course, we're going to kind of shift ourselves into getting prepared for this Falcon Steelers showdown on Sunday. So we're going to talk about that and anything else that's going on in the world of sports, like if maybe Georgia Tech finally confirms who their coach is. Talk about that too tomorrow. So make sure you come back on a hump day and check out ATL Day Ones. Y'all come back now, you.
Hey Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.